And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast from The Athletic. I'm Mitch Light, joined by Ari Wasserman. And Ari, today we welcome in Sam Khan, the tech expert at The Athletic, and a repeat guest on Stars Matter. Sam, how you doing, buddy? I'm great. I'm truly honored to be a repeat guest here on Stars Matter. I feel like it's a major accomplishment in my career. It, it, it is, but it's growing to be less of an accomplishment because we're having more repeat guests. But you're you're our favorite repeat guest so far, Sam. I'm, Do I'm you tell that to everybody show. who's a repeat guest? <laughs> Ari? Just say hypothetically. Yeah. I lived in Dallas. You and do. I worked at The Athletic for five years before. And was promoted into a position where I'm a national reporter. Okay. And then they hired somebody. This sounds, after this sounds me. very unlikely, all this stuff. <laughs> and they, they hired somebody and called him the expert when I lived in Dallas. <laughs> and, and that, how's that supposed to make me feel? Would you be offended? I was not offended because Sam Khan's a G. Yeah. He really, he truly is the expert. He knows more about Texas than I. He's forgotten more about Texas than you, I know about. You are national. You're you are a national recruiting reporter, national college football reporter. And everything I do in Texas, you shouldn't be offended. Me in like this guy has been. He is my favorite guest because I think outside of you, who helps me tremendously every day through my. I, I don't think that anybody as my coworker has helped me more than Sam has, like with leads and ideas and thought processes and phone numbers. So I wanted to personally thank him for being on the show. And like, I do think that we have a really interesting discussion to have today. Last time we just talked about Quinn Ewers and we can pick up from where we left off uh, (laughs) and just go another 45 minutes on Quinn. But I think we have some other things to get to first. We we will talk about Quinn before this is over. Yeah, no doubt. And we are going to lean on Sam today. We're going to talk about how Eli Holstein's commitment to Alabama affects Texas. And it does affect Bama, of course. But we're going to talk about what that does in the uh, recruitment for a, uh, a young up-and-coming prospect from New Orleans. Uh, we're going to talk about Jimbo's comments last week. I don't, we're not going to spend a ton of time on that. I don't, I don't, it's kind of old news, but it's, we haven't, it happened and the day Andy after. And I have discussed it in this feed like nine times. Yeah, it happened the day <laughs> after we uh, recorded last week. I um, want to get Sam's thoughts on Texas Tech and what Joey McGuire is doing on the trail. you got to check out his story today at theathletic.com. Uh, really kind of a deep dive on the process of Texas Tech's recruiting. We're going to have trivia, and if there's time, we're also going to dip into the mailbag. So, uh, But I think the, the big news of the week was Eli Holston, Holstein committing to Alabama, four-star quarterback from just outside of Baton Rouge. This had been a rumor for a long time, and it happened. He pulled the trigger yesterday. Ari, why don't you jump in first? Because you, your, your, your take wasn't a hot take. It was an obvious take, but people didn't like it. Believe really? it or not, it, it was like you could argue that was like a bigger day for Texas than it was for Alabama. That was what my column was. I don't know if you read it, Sam, but the comments were like you're reaching here. 
<laughs> I did. I did read. I did read it, and I just thought to myself when I read some of the comments, like people just want to get mad about something. That's yeah. do you agree it. with me, or do you think I yes. reach? It's okay the, if you think I. Reach. I mean, it, of course, I agree with you because I'm coming to this from the Texas perspective. What Alabama does is largely irrelevant to me because I worry about what's kind of inside the state border here. So it's also so good that it's boring. Yeah, and so so to me. That was the first thing I thought when Holstein committed. I'm like, oh, wow, there goes one of the primary competitors for Texas in the, in the Archmania race. So essentially it makes it a two-horse race. And, and yeah, that to me was an interesting part. I mean, certainly interested by Holstein because he was, you know, former AM commit, super talented guy. I think, Ari, you mentioned it. Some people would argue that perhaps he, he's a better prospect than, than Arch. At least some people have uh, – I have not seen them both, so I can't say that, but some people have certainly floated that idea. But – but it, no, no doubt a high-level prospect, and uh, that's, a, that's a good one for Alabama. But definitely, if, if you're Steve Sarkeesian, you probably are happy that it fell that way because now you have increased your chances for Arch. Now, Ari, I would have told you if I thought it was like an overly hot take that, you know, not that you couldn't have written it, but I would have maybe pushed back a little bit. But the fact that, you know, Sam's saying he looks at it from a Texas perspective because he's our expert. I look at recruiting from a national perspective, and the first thing that I thought of when Eli Holstein committed to Alabama it was like, wow, this is good news for Texas. And I think a lot of people who aren't fans of either one of those schools or are fans of Texas probably had the same reaction. Yeah. Uh, the comments are are very uh, not positive. Not so, nice. You know, I, I don't know. It's okay. Uh, and I understand, too, that people aren't going to view it my way. But like somebody, the first comment was, wow, what a reach. And like 96 people liked it, which is a lot <laughs> of people. <laughs> and it's like, I didn't really feel like I was reaching. I feel like Texas needs him the most. And if yeah. they need him the most and Alabama is quote unquote out of the way. And I don't know if we can definitively say that because I wouldn't be surprised. If I think he's still scheduled for a visit to he Alabama. goes to visit there and ends up at Alabama. Would anybody be like, oh my God, I cannot believe that. It's Alabama. Like they could go recruit. Uh, anybody they wanted. So it's it's just, to me, if Texas is actually going to land this guy, it would be the most influential single commitment in the history of recruiting. Not just because he's the highest rated player and the biggest hyped player in the NIL wet dream of anybody who has an advertisement to sell, but like also because Texas like needs him the most. You read the story, so you know the stat here, but Texas has not had a first-round offensive player in the NFL draft since 2006. Think about that. Can we copyright the phrase NIL wet dream, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, if you have money to spend and you want an advertisement, I mean, Arch Manning was created in a scientific lab to be the most marketable <laughs> high school athlete in the history of all. Like, there will be nobody better than him at this. And he's not even taking any money for it right now. Like, you could not, you could not create a more marketable high school player. Six foot five, New Orleans, curly headed, good looking quarterback who's a five star player, number one overall player in the country, who's in also happens to be in football royalty. And he's and he and if he goes to Texas, he could be joining. Quinn the, Ewers uh, had a mullet, and right, he was right, supposedly made a hundred right. a hundred a million dollars on kombucha tea. His last name isn't freaking Manning. This guy's name is Manning. What could you like? Create? I, I challenge both of you right now to create a prospect in your heads that would Does be Tom, more. Tom Brady has a son, right? If Tom Brady had a son and he was as handsome yeah. as Tom Brady, and he was like, "Where does Tom Brady even live? Does he live in Massachusetts?" Probably, I think so. Because yeah. the fact that he's from New Orleans also puts him right in the hotbed of the SEC. Right. Like it's like you add all these like things together, and it's just like 
Arch Manning was literally a scientific no, he, experiment don't for say, NIL. No, he wasn't literally. Don't say literally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's literally a scientific experiment <laughs> handed down from the first family of football. to, And like the fact that he also is a senior in the first year that NIL's even passed, like you can't make this shit up. So I, oh, I love I, uh, college football. It's it's amazing. So I don't know what we were talking about. Oh yeah, <laughs> Texas. Ah, they're gonna get that that person is gonna end up at a place that hasn't developed a first round NFL draft pick on the offensive side of the football since Vince Young. I was in high school when Vince Young was recruited. All right, I want that leads me to my question for Sam because we don't know when Arch is gonna commit. We think it's later rather than sooner. And this is sort of an unanswerable question, Sam, but how important do you think it is for Texas to show progress this year? Uh, it's critical. Know, they, they can't be a shit show offensively, no, right? No, absolutely not. No, you can't go five and seven again, certainly. I mean, you've got to – I think if you go eight and four, and I don't know that Arch is going to wait to the entire season. I, I, I don't expect this is going to be something that comes down to signing day. I mean, we don't know for sure. Obviously, he hasn't put a timetable on it. Nelson Stewart, his high school coach, has not put a timetable on it. Um, the thing that stuck out to me, Arch said this, uh, 247 wrote a story on him. I think they went over his first spring practice or uh, earlier this month. And Mike Roach wrote this. This is, quote, Coach Sark's first year with a whole new roster and, and was with a whole new roster and no one he recruited. It's definitely hard to go in and be successful. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do this year. That's kind of my deciding factor there and building a relationship with them. Because we know one thing. We know... Sark and AJ Mill, we have done a really good job of building a relationship. He's been there multiple times. They've pull, pulled out the red carpet for him. Everything that you know, you ask Nelson Stewart, they'll tell you they've done everything really, really well at Texas. But that last sentence, that's kind of my deciding factor is what they do this year. That is the key. Is if he's going to go there, I think early in the season, you're going to want to see some on-field progress in terms of wins and a confidence that you're going in the right direction as a football program to cast a slot with Texas. I think that's the big key for them. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact that he's, as we've mentioned, considering a 5-7 and seven program, not, not all 5-7 and seven programs are cr- created equally. Obviously, Texas has the ability to kind of climb up the food chain pretty quickly in college football because it is Texas. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's fascinating. It, it, Ari mentioned in his story that... Who the hell are they going to lose to? We, We'd be I fools this every year, and they lose half their games. It's weird. Yeah, it happens. They're every They're playing year, Alabama right? and Oklahoma. Who else are they going to lose to? Oh, I don't know. Half their schedule: Baylor, TCU, Texas Tech. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, are you mentioned this in your story? I believe we'd be fools to discount Georgia. Still oh, one, yeah. of the, one of the great recruiting outfits in the country. Yes, love that word. Yeah, it's a Bill Landis word. And didn't and he say I, that he that Athens was his favorite college town so far is. that he's visited? It's my favorite college town, too. Well, clearly, way. you've never been to Columbus. I have been to Columbus. <laughs> Athens. Columbus is a city. Athens, Georgia. That was is the a, joke. Thanks for catching on. Um, I uh, Have you been to Athens? I've never been to Athens, but I'm going with Andy in, I know. in the fall. I'm That's excited great. about it. Um, You're going to go see R.E.M.? What? Do you know who R.E.M. is, Ari? Uh, it's a band that old white men like. <laughs> uh, well, that's right up my alley because they're my favorite band of all time. <laughs> my old mentor at my last job, Doug Lay Maurice, would always talk about REM. And it's like, dude, they haven't had a single since like 1974. Like, what are we talking about right now? Do you like Elvis? Uh, he's been cool. dead since 76. So, I mean, that doesn't mean he's not good. 
Well, he's not Sam, good Sam, anymore. Do you like you? Or not, not your bag? Uh, I mean, I know they're like big time, like radio heavy play hits. I don't, I, I didn't like never I dive into listen to them in a big way. I don't have any, I don't have a feeling one way or another. Like okay. the songs that I've heard of theirs are good. To quote Ari, what are we even doing here? I mean, you I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what their hits are. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about recruiting. You guys, I you, like you rap music. Me, Ari. Um, yeah, it's like you have Alabama and Georgia as opponents, and one of those falls off. It's a monumental day, but you still have the other one. Like, you know, the yeah. funny thing about it is, is that Texas has like which team has the easiest path to the field. It's like some might think, well, they have Quinn Ewers right now. Uh, why would he go there? And it's just like, well, didn't Georgia sign? Well, uh, is there any Brock, Brock Vandegrift buzz? Like he's a guy, you know, maybe just yeah. because Georgia's signing five-star quarterbacks all the time. You know, I don't know. They if also got Gunnar Stockton our, last year too. Yeah, I don't think we exactly. Yeah, I don't think we've had our Georgia State of the program yet. But I'm interested to see what they're. Well, you know, the, obviously the, their quarterbacks coming back this year. But um, yeah, he's got two five-star quarterbacks. Is uh, Stetson Bennett Georgia starting roster. for Georgia again? I would think so. Wouldn't it be hilarious if Georgia lost Brock Vandegrift over the same thing uh, that happened with Jake Fromm? Except they, I mean, they won a national title, so it's different. But like, it would be hilarious if they lost another five-star player who was like an all-world type talent, um, and then he ended up going somewhere else and then winning the Heisman or something because that's like the most Georgia's thing in the entire world. But like, I don't know that there's a clear path anywhere that he wants to go. So right, um, right. I know that Florida is a school that I think might get an official visit. And it seems like Florida, LSU potentially, but like, what does he live like an hour away? Yeah. Um. So I don't want to like close the book on everything. And Florida has been kind of a sneaky program that seems to be chan- like outwardly in the mix a little bit. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's not like he's like, this means he's going to Texas. It just seems like Texas was leading the way even before Holstein committed to Alabama. And now you have Nick Saban out of the way. And it's just like, wow, that's a huge step closer to landing this guy. And like, I just don't, I would love to be a fly on the wall um, in a Steve Sarkeesian meeting room of just like, what are you even selling this guy that you put some quarterbacks into the NFL five years ago? It's like, or, uh, you know, maybe he wants to be the savior of Texas's program. I don't know. I don't know what he wants because he doesn't talk to us, but it just would be really fascinating if he ended up there and like what that would mean for Texas's program overall. Well, I think that's what, I think that's, that's a big part of Sark's pitch is, you say five years ago, but but he's got a long history of guys going back to USC. Yeah. You know, Matt Liner, Carson Palmer, Mark Sanchez. Uh, you know, obviously the guys at Alabama, Tua, and, and Mac Jones. So so he's got he's got a pretty good track record of de- developing quarterbacks. And obviously, Sark was a highly successful college quarterback himself. You know, was was tremendous at BYU. So uh, that I, th- I think that, and I think yes, obviously, there's some degree of being the savior of the program and taking them into the SEC, like they're going to be there. So I think that is a uh, – I think those are all key pieces of that pitch. And, and you, you know, a lot of it too is going to be, like I said, what they show on the field this year. That It's going to be really uh, imperative upon Texas to, to show some real on-field progress this fall. Yeah, and, and it was I mean, a different era. But keep in mind that uh, Uncle Eli went to Ole Miss, not, a, not exactly an established power. I mean, Texas's production or on-field production hasn't been great, but it's, it's, a, it's got a better history than Ole Miss. And I'm looking the four years be- prior to Eli enrolling at Ole Miss, they went eight and four in the year before, seven and five, eight and four, five and six in the four years. So that was a – now he had a lot, obviously all those family ties, but that was a big leap for Eli to go to Ole Miss. 
Thoughts, yeah. Ari, on my excellent point? Yeah, there? yeah. I mean, I, I, it seems like he wants to pave his own way, and he doesn't want to go to the same places that Peyton or Eli went to. Um, so that kind of gives you a little bit of a sense of like, hey, I don't want to, uh, you know, just follow in somebody's footsteps. And I guess going to Georgia or Alabama would literally be following in somebody's footsteps because every year they have a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback or a national title quarterback. So if he wants yeah. to go to a big time program that will, in, it's it's moving to the SEC imminently and um, needs a savior to the program. And you know, I don't know what Quinn Ewers is or isn't going to be, uh, but it seems to make sense to me now. If I wanted to go to the NFL and be developed and and reach all my dreams of of what my uncles accomplished, I don't know that Texas would be the most attractive place for me to go just based on the history of the program. And it's like I don't know. You go back and look like Carson Palmer and Matt Leinart. It's like when those guys were playing, how old was Steve Sarkeesian? And like, what was his, he was the quarterback coach in 05 and 06 or whatever uh, it was. <laughs> you know, how much, how much credit do he, does he actually like get? Like if I were some kid's dad and like my kid was a five-star quarterback and Sark's like, yeah, dude, I helped develop Matt Leinart. I was like, what? <laughs> 20 years ago you're like 12 what are you talking about you're the quarterback coach and you coached under one of the greatest coaches of all time what are you talking about like that wouldn't even count that wouldn't even register to me by the way ari how soon you forget when i first started edit- editing you you probably wrote that Qu- quinn yours was the savior for college football in the world a hundred times and now you're like dismissing him ready for the next best thing i'm not dismissing him at all i'm very very curious i've got mixed reviews on him actually so i'm very curious to see what you know, I've heard good things and bad things about how he's doing there. Sorry, I will, what I will is, say. What has Sam told you off the record? What is Sam telling you about? What are you telling you me know, off the You know what? I didn't text it. Uh, Mitch. I told you I was going to text him, but he was getting married that weekend. But you didn't. He doesn't you, care. You think that I you care? Want, you want Quinn Ewers information. You have Quinn Ewers. You have good Quinn Ewers. <laughs> Gotcha. wait. I'm going to be spending hey, the rest of my life with her, we, You know, we, we, had, we had the last time I was on, we had this long debate about Quinn. And I was like, after seeing him live in person, I was like, okay, Ari's right. I get it. Yeah, I get it. That's like, what he told me, Ari. That's like, I, I think I'm on board with he should probably, you know, if he's if he's up to speed on the playbook and the offense in the fall, then yeah, I think I think if you're Stark, you got. I've start heard him. that that is a problem. Yeah, and that's 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 the, the playbook issue. Yeah, the understanding of the playbook, reading defenses, and all that stuff, which is something that we just. As casual fans, uh, we just we Assume. don't know. I'm not. Yeah, a yeah, it, it, yeah, it's hard to know unless you're in the room. So, so I, I can't say one way or another. If all if, I know is I watch that kid throw and the ball speeds off halfway through the. Di- That's the thing. It is the thing. Is the physical talent that he has. Yeah, like it is hard not to fall in love with that. And if Sark's so good, then design an offense where he doesn't have to figure anything out. Just throw the ball. Right. I just and, don't know that I like view of all the quarterback gurus in America right now. Like, I don't feel like Sarkeesian's the guy that I have to play for. Right. Well, no, I is get, that like I get controversial? That. I, I don't know. I it's think just, he's on like the short list, but I think he's it's, not. I think, it's tra- I think it's tra- his track record is really good. Like I said, you just go look through all the guys he's coached. He, he's coached a lot of really good guys. Now, I guess you can say, is it a chicken or egg thing? Is it, yeah. is it the talented guys that he had, or is it Sark? doing it or is it a little bit of both it's probably it's probably a little bit of both it's probably had really talented guys and he's probably done a pretty good job with them uh, am i forgetting somebody that he coached at washington and recruited by himself and developed I, by himself did did he did he do did he coach jake locker i'm trying to remember i cannot remember uh, to to get a hotline to i'd have to look that up. i just would be curious to know uh he did coach jake locker yeah so i would so be that's curious another one that was he, an nfl draft pick hand-picked a quarterback at either of his two stops as head coach before this 
developed that quarterback, and that quarterback became a first-round pick under his guidance. Locker, if he, you know, I assumed he recruited him too. We we could look that up. But um, all right, let, let's move on. Sam, so I'm, Jake Locker is like the sales pitch to get the number one recruit of all time. No, no, no but you, you're the one that's in the weeds yeah. on that. I, I'm just I'm talking about the entire body of work, the the entire list of because you know that's he's he's probably trotting that out there in this pitch is look at all the guys I've coached and look at all the draft picks that I've coached. That's this. That's how the game, you know how it is. That's how the game is played in, in trying to yeah. convince guys it's like, Hey, look at how many I know, you know, the we see all these... family is seasoned. True. But, but still you're ultimately it's the kid's decision. Yeah. And so you're, you're trying to sell the kid. And so, I mean, I'm not uh, trying to come down on Sark. I mean, if they get him, it's like an incredible recruiting, like amazing. I, I just don't like I feel like if Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and Ryan Day uh, were all recruiting me like Sarkeesian would not be the guy like, oh, I'm going to go play for that one because well, he's the co- that's fair. But he doesn't have to battle all those guys. He has to battle Kirby Smart and, and, and Georgia Saban. right now. And, yeah. and maybe Nick Saban if if Arch still keeps him in the mix. So that that's the whole thing is it's down to just really two schools, maybe three. But yeah, uh, but but it, Texas is in a really good position right now. Clearly, clearly. But Sark was Sark was at Washington from 2009 to 2013. Locker was there from 2006 to 2009. So, so he I didn't recruit him. Oh, he didn't recruit so he didn't recruit him. him. Oh, he hasn't had a single draft pick in his entire career that he recruited and developed on his own. Well, he hasn't stayed at places. I was going to say he long wasn't long. in Alabama long enough to do that. Um, and then USC, obviously, we know how USC went. Uh, so he wasn't there that long. So I mean, but, but when, he was, uh, when he was when he was uh, when he was the assistant at USC, yeah, I, he was there long enough to have been involved in recruiting guys yeah 2014 and 15 where he was head coach who was there. the starting quarterback at usc when he was the coach uh, there they all came together i mean we could yeah okay i mean i think okay. people get my point yeah. yeah and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct tv satellite free you see this a family watching baseball on direct tv with no satellite dish in sight let's heckle them you call that changing the channel choke up on the remote buddy i hope getting all these games on direct tv makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds direct tv has the most mlb games call 1-800-DIRECT-TV Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, let's let's move on because Sam um, went to Vegas over the weekend. Vegas, and not, baby. Not for, the same, not for the same reasons that Ari goes to Vegas so many times. <laughs> I'm going Wait. to Vegas on Saturday for one night. One night. That's one what night I did. Only. I did one night. All right. We can find about – next week we'll hear about your trip to Vegas. All right. Sam, <laughs> just – Tell us what it, why you went there, what you learned, and just I just it seems like a pretty cool event. Yeah, so the, there's this clinic uh, for personnel and recruiting staffers. Uh, it was actually very, very basically called the Personnel Recruiting Clinic, Spring Clinic, and uh, Lucas Gauthier and and Geiska Crowley are both their personnel folks at Colorado State and UNLV <laughs> has started this uh, clinic, and they did it a year ago. 
uh, and it was very small. It was post pandemic. Las Vegas was one of the the first cities to open up on the West Coast, and uh, they wanted to get some personnel people behind the scenes recruiting folks together to just do some professional development. And you know, I think they had like a, a few dozen people there last year. This year they had close to a hundred and about thirty plus schools represented. And I, I had found out about it because. Uh, there, there's a Twitter account called FB Personnel that Brian Spillbeller, who works at Tracking Football, runs, and he hosts these Twitter spaces where he invites personnel people from out of the country for one-on-one interviews and Q&As on a Twitter space. And it's really fascinating. I've learned a lot through all these, and they've been promoting this clinic. And I started seeing the list of schools on the clinic, and I, there's a lot of Power 5 schools, a lot of Group of 5 schools, some FCS schools, and I said, hey, this might be really cool to go to. So I went, and they sat around for, you know, they, they had a social on Friday night. They had a a full day of panels and roundtables on on Saturday, and talked about a lot of the current events. And Were you NCAA the only room, media member there? I was the only reporter there, so Ooh. I just asked them. I was like, "Hey, can I come and hang out here and be a fly on the wall for this thing?" And they're like, "Yeah, come on, come on down." They had it at Caesar's Palace, and uh, it was a really cool setup. And they talked a lot about the current event stuff, like initial counter limit rules. You know, the portal obviously is a big topic, and. Uh, all the different recruiting challenges that are coming, you know, whether it's NIL or the the recruiting calendar, possible changes and things like that. So uh, a really, really fascinating look in some uh, a window into what the behind the scenes people in recruiting who deal with this stuff every day are really dealing with. And, and, and it is a lot because obviously we've had some massive changes in recruiting uh, over the last three, four years. Anything surprise you? I think uh, I, I, not really. I get. I would say that overall, the fact that people were pretty willing to be pretty open with each other about how they do things was was pretty cool. Because AFCA is kind of that for coaches. Like coaches go to a, the AFCA convention and share stuff. And the idea behind this was like, hey, let's get recruiting people together for something similar, it's a little bit smaller in scale. But recruiting is so competitive because it's a zero sum game. If you get a if you get a guy, I'm not getting that guy. And so it's not like sharing X's and O's. But I, I thought it was pretty cool to see that that you know staffers were being real, willing to be candid about, hey, here's the issues we're dealing with on our roster when, when it comes to managing our rosters, or here's the issues we're dealing with in, in the portal. Uh, a lot of candid conversations about uh, what this initial counter limit is going to do is it, it's going to make it easier for coaches to cut players, just plain and simple. And, Something and we think, have not talked about in this podcast. Why don't you go into the I've, most of our listeners? If you're listening to a recruiting podcast, you probably know of the rule and know what it means. But why don't you explain what that means, real quick? Yeah. So, so right now, you're allowed to sign 25 guys a year. Actually, it had been 25 guys per year you could sign in your signing class. And then it was last year that they added seven. seven. They say added so you can add up to seven more signees in a year if you lose that many in the portal so if you lose three in the portal you could add three more if you lose five in the portal you can add five more if you add lose seven in the portal then you can sign seven more so you could sign up to 32 if you lost seven in the portal and this was a way to help teams like your kansas of the world who fall behind on scholarships to refill their rosters well now for the next two years the NCAA says we're not going to have no there will be no limit that you can sign 30 you can sign 40 you can sign 50 if you want but you have to stay under the 85 scholarship limit. And so that's going to make it easier for first-year coaches to flip their roster and sign 40 guys. But also I think a lot of the personnel staffers I talked to there said their concern that some of these higher-end programs are going to use it as a way to just churn their roster and say, hey, okay, we, we recruited this guy two years ago. We missed on him. He's not going to play. Let's push him out the door and go get a guy out of the portal. 
Well, isn't that? Uh, is, sorry for the interruption, but while that's in general stinks for the kids, obviously, doesn't that help the rest of college football as you go down the food chain? If they're pushing more guys out, there's more. That's more for the 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 middle tier power five schools to, to grab in terms of talent distribution. Yes. But for the kid, right. Cause obviously. if at the end of the day, if we remember what we're doing this for is like, Hey, this kid's coming here to play football and get a degree. If he wants to stay and you're like, well, we're not going to have a place for you. That's kind of shitty to be quite honest with you. And so sure. that there, there's a lot of people who are a little unnerved by that. Uh, and folks that I've talked to and listened to there, but there's also people that understand that there's going to be coaches that are more cutthroat and they're going to be willing to do that. And so that's going to make interesting, and it also uh, is happening now already. Yeah, it's happening now, yeah. but now the initial counter limit allows you to do it to a deeper degree. At least right now, you can only bring in 32 guys if you lose guys. But And I guess you can wiggle it around with the counting forward and counting back. And everybody's always trying to find a loophole and to add guys. But now this removes all of those guardrails. And it's like, and, hey, and if you want to run off 40 guys and bring in 40 new guys, you can do it. I'm in theory, that should hurt you. Sorry, signing. Real quick, Ari, that, that should, in theory, should hurt you as a staff because if you're recruiting against that staff, you say, hey, they like you now, but they've run off 65% of their roster over the last two years. You know, we, we've only lost 20% of our roster. That could help you in a head-to-head battle. Ari, what were you going to say? I just think it's funny because it's like over-signing again. Remember when that was like yeah. a huge hot-button issue? Of like, yep. oh, well, Nick Saban Miles Alabama class. are so good or less miles. They signed 50 guys and they... They run off half their roster, and it's just like now it's okay again. You know, it's like I feel like everything in college football is a cycle. And and from what I heard, I guess just talking to people, there's part of the reason why they pushed this through as quickly as they did is because there were a handful of schools, not just Kansas, but some other schools that were in the 60s and were struggling to get back to 85. And and the only way to get back to 85 was to allow this. And and that there was some concern that maybe those teams were going to be in really really bad shapes going into fall camp in, in August. So. So I understand that part of it. And that's that's the challenge of the rule is you're going to help those schools that really, really need it. But the schools at the top of the food chain are going to be really able to exploit it uh, and, and be able to run kids off. if they, But it's not will. permanent, just indefinite. Two right? years, two right. Years two years now. right now. Yeah, it's the next two years. So and it's very early. I mean, part of it, too, is the pandemic, right? Yeah, that's part of it, too, because of the covid year happened and right in the after two years after the portal. And then we also had one-time transfer come in all this. So all this chaos has happened in the span of like four years. And it has created a real challenge for people to manage rosters. And, and it has also actually created some opportunities, some jobs, because now you have people hiring somebody on their personnel staff just to monitor the portal. Or you have personnel staff breaking up pro scouting. I mean, uh, college scouting and high school scouting. Like we're going to have one part of the department recruit high school recruits and one part of the department recruit other college rosters for the portal. Yeah, and we, we've heard stories like this, and it, and it makes sense that part of the, you know, is just opening up more spots for high school kids who are getting squeezed out because uh, programs are filling their spots with the with the the transfer portal. But, you know, I, I know some family, you know, my son just graduated high school, so we've got a lot of family friends at different, some of the private high schools here in Nashville that have, are kind of like FCS or low FBS prospects in football. I was talking to one about a month ago, and he's just like, yeah, he's he ended up signing with an FCS team. And if you would have told me a year ago, I'd say that guy's definitely a, you know, a Mac or a Sunbelt type prospect, mm-hmm. but it just says it's really rough, it's tough sledding out there. There just aren't the spots because of the COVID year and the, the lack of numbers. Yeah, I talked to an FCS uh, director of player personnel yesterday, and he said, yeah, 
we're starting to find higher in high school prospects fall to us because of that reason. Now there, there is a plus side to the, to the no initial counter limit because you're going to have schools that say, okay, we really love this high school kid, but we've got to take this guy out of the portal. And you may in, in the current landscape are putting those two guys against each other where now you can take both if you want to, if you want to take your portal guy to fill your need, but you're also like, Hey, I love this high school kid as a developmental guy. You can take both now in the in this initial counter world, but there's no doubt that high school and junior college recruiting has been severely impacted by it. And I think you're seeing the group of fives and the FCS schools benefit from that in some way. Again, able to get higher end high school kids and higher end JUCO kids. Yeah, and no one steal this idea if you're listening and you run a sports <laughs> operation that covers recruiting. But um, Antonio Morales I'm talking to you on three. Yeah, Antonio Morales, and I think Ari, you might be helping out with this because you love to collaborate with people, especially Antonio. Um, I did the research. There are fewer junior college kids signing with Power 5 schools this year and last year than there were three, four, five years ago, and it's because of the, the, the trickle down. Um, Ari, any, any questions for Sam about his Vegas excursion? What was the best meal you had there? I, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I ate, uh, I think I ate whatever was at, the two events. So I ate at the social on Friday night, which we were at beer park, which is a rooftop uh, bar uh, right across from the Bellagio. And so I just ate what they served us there. I did see the fountains. They were pretty cool. I really love the fountains. I've seen them on oceans 11, but uh, to see them in person was kind of cool. And then uh, on Saturday, I just ate what they served us, which they had, I guess the hotel Caesar's palace catered the lunch. So, uh, Who's there to work, I, Ari? Okay, I like I a, I like a salad. You know, believe it or not, and I don't know, Ari might get mad at me and be very disappointed in me. But as I walked back to my hotel on Friday night, I walked, you know, walked through the casino. I stayed at the Mirage on Ari's recommendation. By the way, great recommendation, solid hotel. Really slept like a baby and enjoyed that experience. A recommendation within the price range that the company was. Correct. Correct. <laughs> Correct. I'm not, yeah, I'm not yeah, saying yeah. if you go to Vegas, you have to stay at the Mirage. I would have loved to stay to the Caesars, but that was way out of the athletics uh, budget. So, now, the Caesars rooms and the, uh, and the Mirage rooms are similar. You didn't miss out much. Yeah. yeah. So as I walked back to my hotel room in the Mirage, I walked through the casino and the, the tables were kind of calling me, but I was so tired from flying in that day and doing the social that I went to bed without putting a dollar on the table. And for the first time, uh, I've only been to Vegas twice. This is the second time. Last time I gambled quite a bit. This time I gambled not at all. I went in there and slept like a baby, woke up, went to the clinic, and then flew back home with all my money in my pocket. And Ari, you might be sorely disappointed in me on that one. It's okay. I understand. Uh, Not everybody has to be as big of a degenerate as I am. (laughs) I do think think that if you would have been in the Mirage three years ago, they used to have a Carnegie Deli right by the Mm -hmm. entrance from Caesar's Palace. But it closed, unfortunately. Uh, but I do, yeah. I do think that it is insane that they are knocking that place down. Yeah, I don't, and apparently it's going to turn into a Hard Rock, I guess. Yeah, and you know so, the the big guitar Hard Rock hotel yes, that, that's yes. in Miami or South Florida. They're making a guitar. Interesting. So, like, so the Mirage is a Vegas institution, man. That's where Vegas. That's what. I, yeah, from. that's what you said. So that's that's part of the reason why I kind of enjoyed staying there, and I, I really liked it. It was a great place, and uh, I would have. Lo- I actually did consider uh, at one point going to a sports book and putting like a, a prop bet down for the fall or like a futures bet down for the fall. But like I said, I was just, I, had I been there an extra day, I would have, but I was only there for really 30 hours. Hey, you're so. a dad. You, you you had a flight. You were working hard. I get it. Yep. Yep. And, or, and I had a blast. Honestly, I had a blast nerding out about recruiting stuff with all the personnel people around the country. So yeah. what are you going to Vegas for Ari this week for one? Uh, one of my closest friends, mom is having a surprise retirement party in downtown, uh, 
Vegas, and uh, I'm going to that party to like surprise. Is that her. a tough sell to get away from? Britain to get away baby? from like, the, the fam, like like did she like? I mean, I'm I not going to get away from party, my baby. But like, I don't know. Just with a young kid, I think it's sometimes you got to draw the line. Like, no, you can't go to your friend. Well, mom's it's funny party. enough because Sam probably bumped in, but my wife was in Vegas for five days last week for work, and I was with the baby alone. So okay. you know, I know, but we, we got I good teammates. I, I heard the horror stories. Yeah, um, no, she was sick before she left. That was those. The horror story was that she was sick, not that I was alone. Um, <laughs> I, I I do think that. I'm not even staying in a casino this time, and I'm sure I'll find a way to gamble on something. But also, my buddy that I'm going to hang out with for the night is a huge New York Rangers fan. Ooh. And as a result of that, I like put a bunch of money on the Rangers to win the Stanley Cup. And I'm not a big hockey person, but they've been playing awesome, so we're going to watch that game together at a pool somewhere, which will be fun. And uh, yeah, it's, I, I just love Vegas. I think it's the greatest city in the world. One of these days, I need to go with you, Ari. Oh, yeah, he will. You will. Maybe next year, come to the clinic. We'll go a day I will come to the clinic next year. Well, the reason why I didn't go to the clinic is because my wife was also at in Vegas, and I, there was nobody to watch our baby. I couldn't have left, but I should have brought the baby to the clinic. <laughs> yes, I'm sure that would have. <laughs> we, we, we would have loved to hear her, uh, her opinions on the transfer portal. Yeah. All right, Sam, you published today a story on Texas Tech recruiting. If you you follow this stuff closely and you go to 247 team rankings, everyone's noticed that Texas Tech has been number one or they've been number two. Um, In the recruiting rankings, you know, I don't think even the most uh, fervent Texas Tech fan would admit that they're not going to finish with the top five class, but they're they're still doing some good work. And you didn't just report, hey, this is a good class. Kind of did a deep dive on their process and their evaluating. And speaking of... Arch Manning being created in a lab for NIL and being recruited. I think Joey McGuire would be recruited in the Ari Wasserman lab for a head coach. The way his focus is on recruiting and the the reason he was hired was because of his focus on recruiting. Or definitely a Texas head coach, uh, being yeah. a t- former Texas high school coach. Yeah, he's Joey's done a great job. But he you know put together a really good personnel staff. Put to really together a really good. Uh, staff of assistant coaches, but I was fascinated mostly by their process is they have, they are basically following the Baylor model, which they adopted from that rule. When Joey McGuire got to, to Baylor uh, and then James Blanchard, who's his director of player personnel tech, he was at Baylor with them. Brian Nance, the director of scouting was at Baylor with, with rule also rule was very specific about, we want these certain athletic metrics for our players. And and that is going to filter down to even to your two star and three star and even no star type players. And we're going to take, we're going to take a gamble on guys who maybe sometimes don't have the best tape, but have all the athletic profile that fits us and trust our guys to develop them. And then you, you saw the result was Baylor's draft this year. They had six guys drafted and, and they lit up the scoreboard at the NFL combine. So that's kind of Joey's vision in terms of evaluation. And then the other thing is, is they've been very early on guys. They were first on Calvin Simpson hunt who Ari will go see here pretty soon. Uh, our, uh, Calvin Simpson hunt is a four-star prospect. Now he was uncommitted and I believe unranked when, uh, when Texas tech offered him, but now he's got 25 offers, including Alabama, Notre Dame and Ohio state. And he'll, he'll take an official to those latter two in June. But they've been ahead of the curve on a lot of guys because McGuire has given uh, James Blanchard and that personnel staff the green light to say, hey, if the guy fits the profile and his background checks out and the film looks good, 
offer him. They, he doesn't even have to. Joey McGuire does not even have to approve the offer. Now, Blanchard will tell him. He'll shoot him a text or he'll pop his head in his office and say, hey, we're going to offer this guy. But Joey's given his guys the green light to say, hey, go offer anybody that you know that looks like what we want. And and so that, that and that's not common, right? In no, the industry, that, that's not common. No, most most places, and, and it's changed. Or Ari, you could you can uh, you know chime in here because you you know also about this. But I think traditionally it used to be you identify a guy, position coach has got to sign off, coordinator got to sign off, head coach got to sign off. I think as roster management has gotten a little bit more fluid here with the portal and and so many so many things going around. I think head coaches are more willing to trust their coordinators and even their position coaches on those offers. But but sometimes they're still wanting some approval. But but Joey's just like, hey, I brought you guys. I brought in James Blanchard, who's been at Baylor, who's been at the Carolina Panthers. I brought in Brian Nance, who's been at Baylor. I brought in Sean Kenny, who spent multiple years at Alabama. You guys know what these players look like. I'm going to trust you that you know what they look like and that you can go get them. You don't need to ask me. If we all know we're all on the same page of what a Texas Tech football player is supposed to look like. And so that it is a little bit uncommon. I think uh, Cody Belair, who was their director of scouting, who left in April, called it a player personnel guy's dream to work for for this place and to have that kind of green light to offer at will. Yeah, I think that the problem that you will find uh, with places like this over the course of time is that Joey McGuire's entire advantage as a as texas Tech's head coach is that he has the love and admiration of the high school coaches in the state is that a fair yeah you know absolutely absolutely and their whole game is to offer guys who have a look about them um early so that they can say that they believed first that's also correct right yep so what's going to happen um if not now but in the next 10 years if this continues is that they will have a class or two where they take early commitments from guys like Calvin Simpson hunt and they won't develop the way that they're supposed to. And they will be stuck with a bunch of players in their class that aren't good enough to play at even tech. Yeah. And they're going to find themselves in a position where they have to decide, do we take guys that we know won't play here because we don't want to upset the high school coaches or do we throw people back and risk upsetting the high school court coaches which then puts Joey McGuire in a position that he's not in right now, which is on the bad side of, of somebody. So that might maybe Texas Tech will be able to avoid that because the whole point of of having the staff that he has and the connections that he has is that he can trust coaches to say, hey, this guy's for real and this guy's not. But they're, Joey McGuire is not the first person to try to offer in-state kids early and a lot of times what happens is they end up with classes that are very bad because they can't sever relationships with players they took early commitments from and stop developing. So like there is like like this is also a very, very good thing for them. And I like what they're doing. And of course, like if Calvin Simpson Hunt ends up there, then you found a guy that has an Alabama offer before anybody. And that, that's the entire name of the game. But I find that it is very hard to sustain over a long period of time because projecting what a 13 year old or 14 year old boy is going to turn into is a very hard thing to do as it turns out. Yeah. So I don't know if that makes sense or not, but it just, it is kind of like walking a tightrope of, we want to be early, but don't be too early and don't throw out too many offers because you're going to get commitments from people immediately. And you don't want to put yourself in a position where you have a, a class that's half full of guys who can't play at the power five level. Right. No doubt. And that, yeah, no, what? no, that no, that's a great point. I'm glad he brought it up because we we talked about that a little bit. I talked with, or at least talked with Cody Belair, their uh, former scouting director, about that. And so there's two things on that: is 
one is that's part of the reason why they're adhering strictly to these metrics. Like the way the way James Blanchard told me is like if you're an offensive lineman and you can't dunk a basketball, you're probably not getting offered by it. I like that line. We, that was good. Yeah. Yeah, because because we want to know that you have the explosion. If you don't have 33-inch arms, you can't dunk a basketball, then we're probably not going to offer you. Same thing with with track times. Like if you're a receiver or corner, you got to be 10-9 or lower if you're a junior. You got to be 11-5 or lower if you're a, a sophomore. So that they're going to adhere pretty strictly to that. So that's the number one thing. And so the reason why, and so back to your point about, hey, what if we have these guys with these traits, but they miss because they didn't learn football and they didn't develop. And I think the way Cody Beller put it to me was, we're, if if we cannot coach him up, if we can't get him developed, worst case, we've got a fast, long guy out there. But if we have a guy that is kind of so-so, not quite meeting the traits, but has great tape and he doesn't turn, he doesn't figure out, and it's we a waste can't of, get him, yeah. then you are screwed. You are screwed because that guy is not fast and he's not long and also he couldn't figure it out. So that's why they're going this way. And then the other part of it is just you always want to err on the side of athleticism. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, I, and I mentioned this in the story, this is not rocket science. Everybody's trying to find big, fast, long guys. Everybody is. It's a matter of if you're like Alabama and Ohio state don't have to take a risk on a two star that's got maybe five star attributes, but the tape isn't there. And that's where the, the tech is going to try to find their edge because they can't, they do have to take risks. But the, the thing with the high school coaches is Joey said, and Joey and I talked about this last night was, he has tried to make it very clear with high school coaches that, hey, yes, we love you and we're going to keep these relationships, but we are going to have our criteria and we're going to stick to it and that that it is not personal if we don't take your guy. And so that that is going to be the interesting part of it to follow because, again, his staff has all those connections. He has all those connections. But that's what he said straight up. He goes, he feels like he's done a good job of not trying to do favors for guys and say, hey, we're going to take this guy because, you know, I love you and I trust you and all that. But he may not – fit the athletic exact profile for us and that's going to be the the contingent upon them is to be disciplined in that strategy and, and stick to that as opposed to you know wavering on it from here and, and there but, the I, but I think you're, all your points yeah. are valid and i think you're right or it, it's yeah, going to be a like, challenge i feel like nebraska had that problem because nebraska you know isn't texas it's a much smaller place without as much talent but like nebraska um was getting beat by Iowa State and other programs around it for early offers and wasn't getting guys because they weren't the first to offer, but then they were afraid of offering too early and then ending up with a bunch of Iowa State guys. You know what I mean? So it's like this right, weird right. and it's like a very hard thing to navigate, but Texas is a bigger state with more more to choose from too. Um, the one thing that I, I'm going to try to write about, and I'm going to read your story to make sure you didn't really cover this, but I wanted to get your opinion on it anyway, is what's the hardest part for Texas Tech, is it to identify the guy early, use the criteria, see if the guy can stuff a basketball, get his commitment, and then that's the hard part? Or is the hardest part being right, and then all of a sudden finding yourself in a recruiting battle with Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, and Ryan Day? Yeah, it's the latter. It's without question the latter. I, I think the identification part and getting them in the boat, especially if you're first. If you're first, it's easier to get them in the boat because if, if you're the only Power 5 offer or you're the only in-state offer and that, that player wants to stay home, you that puts you in a really good position in Texas Tech. But if you find Calvin Simpson Hunt and Notre Dame comes calling and Ohio State comes calling and Alabama comes calling, it is hard. And you've got seven months until signing day. That is hard to stave off for that long of a time. One thing that I found interesting, Sam, and you talked about, and I'm reading this, and you said it's not rocket science, but they, they were 
they weren't shy about sharing their restrictions for their, you know, what guys need to run in the 100, the 200, and all this stuff. And they said that the thing that Matt Rule prided himself on and the staff is going to pride itself on is kind of having the, the, the guts. I don't know if that word was used, but to, to, to take that two-star or that unrated kid and trust their own process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's the thing. It's because I think J- Blanchard used the ex- example of JT Woods with me. Is JT Woods played, I think, behind Caden Stearns at Steele down near San Antonio. And Blanchard said that JT Woods didn't have great tape, but he had a great 100 meter time. He was 10 6 in the 100. He was 13 8 in the 110 hurdles. And so the, the traits were there. And he said, if I, Blanchard, I think, told me I didn't make this and make the story, but he said, if I can watch him on tape and he can do five athletic movements that correlate to his position and I can see him do that on tape. I, we can teach him the football and we can figure it out a part out. And so, and then JT Woods ended up, okay, you know, reserve special teams guy first year, started part-time second year, third year, full-time starter, led team interceptions, fourth year, full-time starter, led team interceptions, second round draft pick. And that's a guy that only in-state tech, Houston, and Stephen F. Austin offered, you know. And so that's, that is the blueprint. That is the Matt Rule blueprint, the Baylor blueprint, and that is essentially what tech – is trying to do with their guys, and of course, th- th- these are all these are all risks. So it's not going to be 100. percent If they hit more than 50, percent they're probably doing pretty good. But but that's it's a fascinating process to watch. And like you said, that the that was what fascinated me is that not everybody's willing to give all the nitty gritty on what their uh, what their criteria is. And so so I love that they kind of gave me a little bit of an inside look at how they evaluate. All right. We're going to move on in a second, but I'm going to write down our answers, all three of us, and we're going to have a, uh, I don't know, next summit, the, the loser buys a round or whatever. What is Tech's recruiting ranking going to be on signing day next February? 29. I'm going to say 20. Okay. Whoa! Ari 29. Sam. So is that a prediction that Calvin Simpson Hunt is signing with Tech? Yes. I've got 24. I wrote that down before we started. So, so 29 might have been 29 might have been, but like I think 29 would be great. 29 is great. They've only been in the top 44 times post Mike Leach. Yeah, check out 20. the fancy chart I made in, in Sam's story that kind of details the uh, I don't think it's gonna be 20, Sam. Well, we'll find I, out. I, you I, you I, also I, think USC's going to the playoff in the next three years, and you bet a thousand dollars on it. So I know I put my money where my mouth is. Ask Antonio Morales. If you yeah. if you people think I'm a hot take artist. Hot take artists don't put money on it. <laughs> hot take hot take artists think things and just say it to upset people. I I truly believe the things I say. Ari, if they finish 29, that's still really good because here's our last four yeah. years. 43, 74, 48, 62. 29 would be a great. 29 yeah. would be incredible for them. And that was my point at the end of the story. I said if 20 would be with insane. A, with a top 25 class, that is a huge accomplishment for Texas Tech. I'm going to pull up something real quick. Mitch, you can ask the next question, but I want to pull something up. The team. Okay, we're, we're going to move to the mailbag. Got, got oh, but let me just say what I'm okay. going to say. Teams that are currently uh, behind or outside of the top 20 um, in the rankings right now who will assuredly move in. We got uh, Michigan's 21, Oregon's 22, A&M is 23, Alabama is 25, uh, Clemson's 31, Wisconsin's 34, so they might jump up. Florida's 35, Miami is 36, Oklahoma is 38, um, North Carolina's 44. Um, so there are a lot of teams that aren't even registered right now that are going to finish in the top 25. So for them to hold off all these all these programs 
um, is going to be kind of a tough battle to do. And like, listen, they've got twice or three times as many commitments right now as most of the other teams in the top 50. So, you know, you understand the, the, most the formula far. works, but yeah, finishing in the top 20 means that they're going to hold on to Calvin Simpson hunt and they're going to get somebody else because that, I mean, finishing in the top 20 is a hard thing to do. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Good list there. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, we're going to hit some mailbag questions first before we go to trivia. Uh, this is from Jonathan D. For I'm going to say both of you guys. And I, I, I take do these it for from, the expert. I love yeah, Sam I, I, so I do these. Um, You've got a nice smile, too. Um, I appreciate that. I take these from the mailbag. I so feel bad. I feel bad for taking all your airtime, Ari. I, I, I'm very long winded. No, 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 guest. no. You're the you're the man. Uh, so I think so the people on the that, feed are tired of hearing my voice anyway. But yeah, so stop talking. So those of you that submit questions to Ari's mailbag, if we don't, if he doesn't answer them, a lot of times if they're good. We're going to use them on the pod. This is from Jonathan D. If the Athletic did a sports swap and you were asked to write about another sport, what would you choose? Sam, you go first. English Premier League. I, really? I would I would love to do that. Although the bad thing about it is the access, you don't get player access, so that kind of stinks. But uh, I don't watch it as much as I used to, but I got that's kind of like my secondary hobby sport. Like I love the NBA, but the NBA, I watch it so much that I, I'm kind of a fan of the NBA and I kind of don't really want to write about it. Yeah. Uh, I, but I think English Premier League, would to go across the pond and go to Anfield or go to – you know, a game at Manchester United or go to a game at, at Liverpool. I mean, I mean, I already said Anfield, uh, go to a game at Tottenham, which is the team that I has worked. Like that would be really cool to go and see all those atmospheres. Cause I think it would be kind of akin to college football in terms of what the passion is Definitely. for, uh, for the sport. So I would love Can to I ask you a question. Cause I've never understood this. Huh? What, how do Americans pick what English premier team that they root for? That, you know, one time, a long time ago, ESPN did a page two story like 15 years ago that, that did like a process of like how to pick one. And I'm sure you can find other articles that are a little more current than that. But I, I picked it because I picked Tottenham because I was watching them back in like 2012. And I was just, it was on ESPN randomly. I was watching them and they had a player named Gareth Bale, who's no longer there, who was really, really good. And I just I watched him and I was just like infatuated by how good he was. And I was like. That guy's pretty awesome. I was like, I'm going to follow this guy's team. And so he was there for like another year or two. And so I, I just picked – that's kind of how I landed on him. But um, sometimes – I also don't can, know how people like pick their favorite NASCAR driver. Yeah, I don't know. I have no like, idea. I just like that guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of weird. Like, yeah. sports are such a, a communal thing. 
you know, you yeah. pick your team based on the city, you know, and the city pride and civic pride, you know, I've right. never before you um, answer Ari, Sam, I asked Landis and Ari this last week. Have you, are you aware of the book fever pitch or the movie? I'm aware of it. I'm aware of it, but I haven't, not, read not, it. not the Red Sox movie. If you like English premier league soccer, read the book fever pitch by Nick Hornby. It's about, it's, it's a, it's a nonfiction. It's about his passion for English soccer growing up. And it, it, that book does more to encapsulate what it's like to be a fan than anything I've ever read. Highly recommend it. So Ari, nice. what, what would your sport be? Mitch is one for one on book recommendations. Oh yeah. I hit a home run on that one. He told me yeah. to, to read under the banner of heaven. Have you heard of this book, Sam? I have not just, I'll send it to you. Okay. Awesome. I've got two I also copies need to, now. Also, I also need to read The Club, apparently, which is also an English I read that. book. Is that really that. good? Everybody says yeah. that's good. Under yes. the Banner of Heavens about fundamentalistic, fundamentalist Mormons and murder that occurred. That's Interesting. Good. That's the that's second week in a row we've talked about it. So, yeah, um, I just finished the book. Oh, good, good for you, bud. Proud yeah. of you. Uh, all right. Uh, so what sport? So would you I can't cover? pick the NFL because it's a different. It's the same sport. No, you could pick. No, that's that's a very it's, fair answer. It's a very different sport from college football, buddy. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> I just love football the most. But I feel like if I had to like, if I had to be a beat writer or a writer, I'd pick the NFL because I'd feel most comfortable like about it. But if I feel like if I had to reinvent myself and choose a new sport, I think that being a golf writer would be a hell of a existence. That's a great one. Yeah, that's tough game. Like, well, I guess every sport beat writer is a lot of travel. And I, you have to be a great writer and you really yeah. have to work on like it's it's like I feel like it's like a lot about prose the way I mean like Brendan Quinn is a phenomenal just writer and yeah. the way that he covers it is good but I just feel like traveling to the most beautiful places in the country yep. you get to write about like some of the things that are that are the center of attention like I just have always like been like God what a what a day it would be to cover the Masters the final round you know and to, there's a lot going on there and there's a lot of access from what I understand and it's not quite as you know, agent this and trade here and all. I, I feel like just being a golf writer, you get to love the sport and go to the most beautiful places. And I feel like if somebody said, well, would you rather be the star quarterback of uh, a Super Bowl winning team or would you rather be the third best golfer in the world? I think I would pick golf. If I could be a uh, an editor for another sport, I would pick college baseball. In fact, uh, do you, did you work with Travis Haney at um, ESPN, Sam? <laughs> yes, I did. So I was having lunch with Travis Haney just a few years ago when he was at the Athletic covering the Titans, and I was, you know, still working at Athlon. I was like, "Do you think the Athletic would ever cover college baseball? I'd really love to like spearhead that coverage." I never, I didn't even thought about applying to the Athletic. Never thought I'd work here and stuff. But uh, that's a, it's a sport I love, and I think a, an undercovered. Sport. You love college baseball, I, yeah. I, I I'm watching the, it right now. I'm watching it right now. In but my I feel is- like college baseball is only like a thing for like three weeks a year. Well, that's because you don't like college baseball. <laughs> it's no, I know, but like it's not televised. Yes, SEC it is now. Yeah, it is SEC Network. It ESPN starts Plus, in February. Yeah. yeah, ESPN Plus. Every every SEC game is on ESPN Plus or SEC Network Plus. Like even a, oh. a random two Tuesday game against Belmont for Tennessee or Vanderbilt or Alabama, whatever is is on. So when I was at ESPN, uh, I did get to do a lot of college baseball in the spring because usually before this was before the transfer portal, we weren't covering a lot of college football in May. And in June, so I, I did some regional super regionals. I did the College World Series in 2018. One of the best uh, coverage experiences I've ever had. I love that event. Yeah, it's it is great. My first road trip as a reporter was to the Women's College World Series. I thought it was cool. Very because Arizona had a badass softball team when I was in college. Yeah, Oklahoma City, right? That's Oklahoma right, Oklahoma City. Okay. All right, one more. My first time I went to a casino too. Ah, wow. So were you like Were you like Barney in The Simpsons uh, drinking his first beer? 
it's just like driving through Oklahoma. I was like, oh my God, there's a casino in the ages 18 and above. And I was like, okay. <laughs> that was All my right, sophomore. Should, that was my I, sophomore year of college. And then my junior year, I took an internship in Fresno with the MLB.com internship, but mine was minor leagues. Um, so I just drove around California for an entire summer, but my home base was Fresno and there was a casino there too. And I had no friends and nothing because I was just living there for three months. And I just spent 80 hours a week in the casino. <laughs> my, my, my wife grew up on a farm in Michigan, like 15, 10 minutes, 10 miles outside of Battle Creek, basically in the middle of nowhere. And there's a casino on the interstate, like seven miles from our house. And I've never been. I'm, you, you, I'm ashamed to admit, Ari, but it's. I uh, think playing poker is one of the most genuinely fun things a person can do. I don't really know how. So I would be intimidated. You're sitting in a casino. You got a little Coke to your left. You got a TV on. Is it Coke or event. rum and Coke? Uh, cocaine is what I meant. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. Wow. I don't drink when I'm gambling because I like to be focused. But okay. I, uh, I watch a baseball game or a football game on TV. Sit there, got my phone, my headphones on, waiting, seeing cards. What a time! Well, I, had a, I had a long poker run in my 20s back in the old ESPN Television World Series of Poker days. So I have this idea, and I want to know if what you think about this idea. And then Mitch, you will get the trivia. But you know, we we can talk about off-topic stuff too. Yeah, we got one more <laughs> one more mailbag question. But we've I've got, got time. I'm, I've got a, a group of like four or five friends here that I've made because I'm still new to Dallas. In Dallas, and I have this idea that I want to I want to create, and I think it should be more popular than it is. So everybody takes a thousand dollars, okay? And that, that seems like a lot of money, but <laughs> listen to my idea: a thousand dollars, and you put it into a pot right after the end of the college it's gonna be like a key party the uh it gets really freaky um (laughs) you put it into the pot right after the world series of poker right and then once a month or twice a month you have a poker night at at somebody's house and 10 people bought in so it's 10 grand total right and every time you guys play you play a tournament and you can play two or one whatever you want to do once a month or twice a month and over the course of the year, you keep track of if you win the, one of the tournaments, you get 10 points. You get second, you get nine points. And you keep a running tally for the entire year of who finishes in these tournaments in your little home game. And then at the end of the year, whoever wins the, the tournament race between you and your friends takes the 10 grand that you guys have as a buy-in and buys a buy-in into the main event, World Series of Poker main event. Interesting. And then not only that, based on where you place. So if you place second, third, fourth, or fifth, that's the percentage of the cash out. If the person places in the tournament that, that you get from the world series cash out. So everybody didn't just lose their money. Everybody is staked on that person who's going. So if that person catches fire and ends up finishing 1500th or whatever, and gets nine grand, then you will cash out based on how you finish. So every tournament matters that you play. And I thought that, I think that would be a blast and a good use of a thousand dollars a year. And then you all could go to Vegas and support your friend or whatever. That'd be great. Good luck with that. I'd go to that Vegas is, and support you. You don't think that's that a great is, idea? That, that is a fascinating idea. Yeah. I'm not good enough at poker to do it. Yeah. But yeah, that's, oh, uh, that's okay. a fascinating well, idea. Okay. I haven't well, played in so long. Once we had kids, I had to stop playing. Okay. One more, one more question because the, the, the trivia question is short. I think it's a good one, but it's short. It won't take that much time. Say you're a four-star. This is from Patrick S., Say you're a four-star recruit, more on the low end than the high end. So let's say you're the 325th ranked player in the country. Playing right away doesn't matter as much as development, in your opinion, in your view, and winning matters more than anything. Hypothetically, if you had an offer from every school outside the 
four or five elite programs right now, where would you choose to commit? So you USC. Uh, let's let's not let's not include USC. Let, let's say outside the top let's ten, whatever our list of ten best recruiting schools over the past fifteen years are. Let's just say it's it's not one of those schools. So you're a really good football player who doesn't care about money, um, and you want to win the most. You want you want to be developed. You don't care about playing right away. I'll probably go with Baylor, Wisconsin. Ari will go somewhere in the south because he. I'd probably go to Stanford, bro. But winning at a high level, they're not winning right now. Is is win, we say winning level? matters more than anything. Are, are we winning talking about winning more than relative, anything? Are we talking about winning relative to your to your league, or are you talking about winning a national championship? Or there, is, uh, but you can't win a national championship. If you're right, I would say just just being a consistent winning program. You you, you don't want to jump on board a program. Okay, let's say you love Arizona and you think that Jed Fish is going to turn it around. You don't. You're not going to pick that for this reason because they haven't turned it around yet. So it's it's got to be a program that 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 has sustained success. That's why Wisconsin would be on my short list. Okay, I'm picking I'm picking Baylor. Bay, Baylor's done a good job of developing guys. They've won the Big Twelve multiple times in the last ten years. Seem to have a good infrastructure. So like I don't know like without putting a list, but like I would go to Florida. Does that count? No, they're too good. But again, that's just my perception. I, you okay. know, I think so. Fl- so Florida's they've won good. national championships recently or in the past. You know, okay. Because like when he years. says without the top five teams, I think about Ohio State, Georgia. Right. So I changed Clemson. this question a little bit. So uh, may- maybe Florida okay. would be so great. So Penn answer. State would be too good too. Then I wouldn't put Penn State. I would say Penn State would be maybe below the cut. I don't know. That's just I might go to Penn State. Yeah, okay. that's that's not that's a good one. Then you can they, meet Bill. You could go back in time and meet Bill Landis. I just think playing at Penn State would be as close to a big time atmosphere as as humanly possible. That's you know competing at a high level and has a chance in the expanded playoff realm to to win. If winning is your priority, I don't know that Penn State like Penn State had more draft picks than anybody else in the Big Ten last year, so they're doing a very good job of developing their guys. But like to me, I view like Penn State and Florida as very similar programs right now. Right now, I would say yeah, but I just historically Florida just because they've they've yeah they've won well, under multiple head coaches. And it's just like it's like crazy because you you also take out A and M because they had such a great class last year, but they've never right. won anything. Right. So it's like I would pick A and M, but they don't count either. Yeah, they've been recruiting at top seven eight level for last four years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean right. Tennessee maybe. Yeah, I mean I, I want to go to fall- a place that plays in a huge stadium and the pa- the fans are passionate. Yeah, well, the passion is one word for Tennessee fans. Yeah. Um, all right, trivia? Sure. Okay. Short and sweet. Ari, there's no number for you to get confused on. You're not going to okay. like say 32. I when this, is, this is the point of this where I get humiliated every week. So <laughs> It's not when you turn in your stories? Uh, you think my stories are humiliating? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> I love you and your work. Which Power 5 school has gone the longest without signing a blue-chip prospect, meaning four- or five-star prospect. Am I, go, am I up first? Well, either one. I feel like Sam, you, Sam, are you cheating, Sam? No, I'm not at all. Which? Okay. What's the question? How could you which possibly look that up program? fast enough? No, which okay. Power 5 program is that you said? Yeah. I looked this up yesterday. Which Power 5 program has gone the longest without signing a blue-chip prospect? So it can't be a four-star or a five-star. No, f- yeah, right. They've not signed a four-star or a five-star. 
And I feel like Kansas is the easiest layup answer, but that that's wrong. No, no being correct. That is Stephen Parker, a couple years uh, ago. Iowa State? Incorrect. No, Man. Iowa State. I don't know how many four stars they've signed. I did. Well, it's been uh, one recently. Okay. More than one. Dude, this is a really good question. This is a good and question. a story. The answer to this the answer to this question is a story. Um, I'm looking at the list of all the Power Five schools right now, and I'm very stumped. Really, I figured if you looked at the list, you might get it because sometimes you just don't think a certain Syracuse. Story. Nope, that's a good Was guess. One, you know, I I didn't look up every school because I don't need to look up Alabama to find that they haven't done. But like Syracuse is one of the ones I dove into and and, and researched. Um, and I know if, if Vanderbilt was the answer, you wouldn't have asked it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they just also signed a four-star prospect in last year's class, didn't they? Uh, yeah. Um, shit. That's a, I don't, I don't a good trivia question. I don't want you to tell me. I want to try to figure it out. We might be here for 10 minutes. Duke? Yeah. Incorrect. Oh, okay. that's a good guess. Um, am, is, am I going to be blown away by it? Uh, I don't want to give any hints. If you're blown away by it, you shouldn't be doing your job. You shouldn't be a recruiting writer. Well, I didn't know if it was like an answer that you'd be like, oh, wow, really? It's Penn um, State. No. It's not Penn State. Uh, <laughs> Illinois. If, if It's not Illinois. If people listen, r- r- read your stuff, they'd probably think you'd say Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> Sam? I, I'm not uh, disappointed in Ari. I'm a little disappointed in you, Sam. Yeah, no, I'm... Wake Forest? Incorrect. I thought that might be it when I started this. Damn. Think. Hey, my can you give me a, My can son's you going there next year. Gabe's a four-star. How long is the streak? Um, the answer is 2017. is the last time they signed oh, a okay. five years. It's not Texas Tech. It is not Texas Tech. I was going to say, I know. You it's should not read Texas your own yeah, story. I was going to say, I just heard that. Well, I was just thinking, I was like, I know they've only signed like a couple four stars since then. Washington State? Incorrect. Oregon State? Correct. Oregon State. Wow. Here's why. Because I was editing uh, Christian Capel's Oregon State State of the Program, which will run tomorrow. And in the recruiting section, it says Jonathan Smith has yet to sign a blue chip recruit. So I thought to myself, that's actually a. Uh-huh. Interesting. Are they the program that's gone the longest? And it was, in fact, Oregon State. I think Washington State was maybe – there were several. I didn't write them all down. Washington State was one. There were several that was – maybe Syracuse was 2018 was the last one. Is Oregon in, State the hardest job in America? We've talked about this. Um, I think it depends what Oregon is doing. But I, I think Washington State might be a little more difficult. I don't think it depends at all what Oregon's doing. You don't? Because they're, they're not recruiting the same – It's like not even the same league. I think Vanderbilt may be the hardest job in the country, depending on, but when you factor in expectations, it's not. Look who you're recruiting. Look who you're competing against. Oregon State is had a winning Vanderbilt record. Vanderbilt has like 25,000 things to sell. Oregon State's just like, come here, maybe. Like, what, what is Oregon <laughs> That's State's on their sales pitch? pamphlet? It, actually, Jonathan's Vanderbilt's was, like, why don't you come hang out in one of the coolest cities that all these people come to travel to see all the year and get the greatest education of all time and play in the SEC? It's like, what's Oregon's? Oregon State, I mean. Come here, maybe. Come like here that. and drive really far away from the airport. <laughs> like, what What do okay. you say? You've never wanted anything. 
they won 10 games in John, when Jonathan Smith was a quarterback, or they won 11 games and Jonathan Smith was a quarterback in 2001. Like Syracuse is like, come here and maybe you won't die in a blizzard. Like, I don't know, like, what? Like, what <laughs> that, that, should, that should be a, a, a story, Ari. You could, for all people, let's do that. You come up with the biggest wise ass recruiting slogan possible. Well, should I actually do that? Yeah, I'll do hilarious. that. Okay. Um, Syracuse, we okay. have Wegmans where you can get a hot meatball sandwich at the that, grocery store. That, like, that sounds like a story. That sounds like an Ari column of yes. um, come up with the wackiest recruiting pitches you can for all these. I'm writing days. that down. Um, okay, since you guys Funniest did not, not I, like, would Alabama's just be like, uh, come to Bama, we won't pay you. <laughs> we don't need to pay you. <laughs> we don't need to pay you. Um, Kirby Smart, so, we're the new Bama. So, um, since it, since neither of you guys got it for ten minutes, I'm guessing you don't know the player, the last four star recruit they signed. I couldn't even name a single player on Oregon State's roster right now. The or, only Oregon Chris, State recruit I think I can name is Jacquez Rogers. Yeah, well, you should uh, read the story tomorrow, then Ari, you'll be uh, well aware of it. Isaiah Hodgkins, wide receiver. Never heard of the answer to the big question. Life. So, cool. All right. Um, Good show. I'm going to go look at this guy. Good talk. Good, good trivia question. Thank you. Sam, do you like this podcast? I do like this podcast. You guys are loose and fun. Yeah, we're loose. Yeah, this one was really good, I thought. It was more, you know, just a lot to talk about. And Isaiah Hodgkins. Yeah. Hodg- Hodgkins. Where, from where's he from? California? California. Okay. Now, they are not one of the programs. Another trivia question... Uh, from months ago was named the X amount of programs that have not signed a five-star. Oregon State has signed a five-star, some big defensive linemen from Corvallis. So, um, oh, Arizona's never signed a five-star. Right. Arizona, Purdue, Vanderbilt, Wake, Duke. Uh, I don't think Northwestern has. I don't th- is it Indiana? My, I, whatever. I, I did the research a while back. but uh, um, so You want to know the funniest thing, too? What? When Oregon State signed the blue chip prospect in 2017 yeah it was their second consecutive season doing so too oh wow so but that's you know what that's that's a real testament to what john and smith is doing they they've improved a lot and they have not signed a five-star yeah. they've not even signed a four they've been really good in the portal haven't they yes in fact that and this is something we'll talk about over the next years like we can't we have to stop looking at just recruiting ranking because oregon state's recruiting ranking one year might have been in the hundreds because they didn't take many guys like because they come to Arizona. Training. You can go to Mexico for spring break. Yeah. <laughs> come to Arizona. You can get the same degree as Ari Wasserman. And make a pretty good living doing what he loves. Like I think yeah. Arizona set me up great. Did you graduate in four years or were you like a four and a half state school? <laughs> my dad on the way to orientation. Oh, yeah. My dad's um, sex talk with me was <laughs> on the way to prom. And he said, if you have a baby, I'm not raising it. That that was the sex talk, and <laughs> oh my gosh! And on the way down to orientation for college, he gave me the flunk out of college talk, which was if you take longer than four years, you're on your own. Those were my two <laughs> talks with my father about the two most important things. So I did it in four years, and I actually uh, I uh, took summer school classes when I didn't have to in order to have lighter um, semesters. Yeah, I took summer school too. Like I took uh, a I took an English class at a junior college before college, and it made my first semester of college super easy because I didn't have that like big tough English class that makes you write all these papers. And then I never took a math course. That's clear. my entire four years. I that would um, explain a lot about this podcast. My my, my yeah. dad <laughs> listens to this podcast, and I feel like I owe him an apology or I owe him some money because I had a full tuition 
scholarship to Vanderbilt, but it did not cover summer school. But I just wanted to hang out in Nashville one summer and work at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. So I took a summer school <laughs> class. So we paid, and this is in the early 90s, I think it was like $4,000 for a one summer school class. And wow. which I really, in theory, did not have to take because. Why didn't you, know, you just stay in Nashville? Well, I, I did take, because I was the sports editor of The Hustler, the school paper, for two semesters. You didn't know the school paper at Vanderbilt's name was The Hustler? <laughs> I, I read The Hustler. Not, not. <laughs> no, the greatest thing would be, like, we, we'd go, <laughs> we, yeah, did you like my columns? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my column on Jerry DiNardo? <laughs> no. I can't be the first person that's made that joke before. No, no, not at all. So I remember my freshman year, we went down to Auburn <laughs> for a basketball game. And I said, Mitch, Mitch Light from The Hustler. And the guy, like at the media <laughs> credential place. And we used to do that on purpose just to get these people looking at us like the Hustlers covering an Auburn Vanderbilt basketball game. That's hilarious. So, I've got a few uh, copies of your paper in my childhood <laughs> nightstand. <laughs> so, um, so, okay, the point being that I, when I was a sports editor of The Hustler, I took 12 hours. So I needed to catch up an hour, tw- uh, a course twice. So, Sam, you okay there? <laughs> It looks like Sam's digging in his drawers for for some old some of my old stories, dude. I'll tell you what, Sam. Podcasting with me and, and oh, is going to be an adventure. Yeah, so, so that's I'm funny. surprised you didn't know that. Are I didn't you? know that. No. Okay. I, what's the backstory for that? It's 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 found in like 1890. It's well before the the your magazine, the Hustler. <laughs> like because yeah. I guess you're hustling for stories, hustling on the beat. Got it. Is that what it's still called? Yeah, the hustler. I got I, right behind me. Bound volumes. For, hold on a second. Talk to oh, Sam. Oh man, this is amazing. I think I, my entire career at the athletic is just one ticking time bomb until I'm relieved of my duties. <laughs> <laughs> until you get a call from HR. Yeah, just like oh, oh my gosh, that is that. That's incredible. Is that or those the? I guess he has like the bound um, copies yeah. of his. Of yeah, when I was sports they make a bound volume. So wow. one of my fr- one of my friends from high school calls me. The Vanderbilt Hustler. So, wow. Yeah. So that is really cool. All right. Ari, you want to take us, take us home? Yeah. Yeah. Sam, thanks so much for uh, spending Thank some time you. with us. You're always super insightful and love your work and your expertise in the state and, and nationally. Mitch, thanks for dealing with me for another week. And <laughs> listeners, thank you so much for tuning in for the latest edition of Stars Matter. Um, it's recruiting talk and, uh, you know, hustler talk. And, uh, <laughs> You never know what you're going to get. Um, sorry if I offended you. If you're an Oregon State fan, uh, please give us another chance next week. That was Stars Matter. Stars Matter.